Hello. Yeah, I got all the gear from Carlo. The guy's just a wizard. That guy's a wizard, man. He, he is. Knows. It's crazy. He knows. Yeah. And he's got so much equipment. He said that me and Chad go hunting. He's like, hey, you guys, uh, I have a tool. You could, you could just, like, it's a GoPro. Mm-hmm. You could just record your, it's not GoPro, though. It's like GoPro. Yeah. So you could record all your weekend, hunting weekend, and I could edit it for you. So you might have to take him up on that. Dude, cool. Yeah. That's pretty cool. That's I'd awesome. like to see that. Yeah. Just because we walk in nature so much and thick bushes and high mountains, high climbs. I yeah. think it would be awesome for other people to see. It's not just like, you know, um, it's not just like hunting. It's actually like working. Yeah. You're, you're, you're becoming a part of the nature to get what you need. And you're taking treks too. You're taking... Like multi-kilometer treks, like a ten-kilometer trek to go and find something. Especially, especially if you're going for bigger stuff that's not mm-hmm. something you can spot right out of a car. Just like you have to go deep into the woods. Stuff with like stuff like moose, moose and elk. You have to really send it. Yeah, I've never done that. I mean, I'm quite new to it. Yeah, but I do like. I think that's the part I like. I think overall going, going back to how we were might be the answer for a lot of things for me anyways like i just read this book i'm jumping from subject to subject but it's related to hunting and mm-hmm. being nature yeah, yeah for sure it's about i think it's called waking up the darkness this guy it's a, he's extreme he wakes up it, he calls it's a hour of the wolf mm-hmm. have you heard of this what's it called sorry hour of the wolf no i haven't so back in the day when there was no light no lo- no power yeah we didn't like when the night came we ate all our, all our meal and we went to our places and we slept mm-hmm. so it was early sleeping times in some parts parts of the world anyways yeah in some cultures and you'll wake up in the middle of the night and the, apparently that is the most meditative state you mm-hmm. could get into it heals you so you wake up in dark you could go for a walk instead of fighting sleep and you're like, hey, it's 3 a.m. Yeah. Right now, if I wake up at 3 a.m., we are we trained ourselves to go back to sleep immediately. Right. Back then, we didn't. We will wake up, stay in dark, let our thoughts run through. Mm. And this guy takes it to another level and he goes for hikes in the middle of the night to mountains, to places that are just dark. And your brain eventually adopts to it. And you get to this meditative state that you can't actually get to when there's light. Mm-hmm. So meditating in the dark. Anyway, so going back to these things in nature too, I'm like, okay, it's so easy to buy food. I could go buy anything I want if I have the money for it. Like, don't get me wrong, but like you could buy any meat any, and you could find it. Yeah. I'm like, maybe because it's so easy, it creates this anxious state for us. So if I go find my own food, now I'm not anxious. I'm spending time doing, finding, getting it, processing it, bringing it home, and doing it. That is that gives you different um, hormones. That gives you different experiences that you don't realize you have. Once you do it, you're like, oh, this was better. Yeah, I I think I think the amount of people that are going through depression now is correlated with how easy it is to survive. It's just so easy. We're, we've left the stage of 
surviving and now we're just in the stage of thriving. Mm-hmm. And with that, we just have nothing to do all the time. You can kill three hours on your phone without, and it feels like a blink of an eye. Like you, you can just sit on your phone, do absolutely nothing for three hours. But the way it used to be was you would, if you didn't go and hunt, you would die. And now we're just in this stage where I think we're starting to figure that out a little bit more. And some people use all that extra time really, really well. Like They study and run their own business and learn and do really cool things. But a lot of people just sit on their phones. Right. And I think you're absolutely right. Like, I think we are in a generation of anxiety, depression, and I think it's getting even worse Mm -hmm. as we go. And we're all guilty of it. We experience it every day ourselves. Like, we can't go take a piss without looking at your phone. It feels weird. Yeah. You know, you're like, "Um, I can't focus now. You know, even even that is like a bad sign. Like, you should be able to do daily functions without you can looking at your phone and it's a challenge for us to drop it just leave it that's why when you travel you're probably much better off I like I honestly poop better when I travel too because I don't have my phone it's a it's a cognitive process to sit on your phone and it messes with your pooping like if I don't have my phone or anything I can poop in 30 seconds right if I'm on my phone I'll sit there for 10 minutes I know 10 minutes and I think companies should take awareness of that because people probably spend a lot of time in a bathroom it's the new smoke break it's the new smoke break <laughs> that's right <laughs> and there's an app for it that tracks it for you how many hours you have escaped from work just yeah. being in the bathroom yeah and get paid <laughs> there you go just getting paid to poop it's awesome getting paid to poop whole it's new world North America American yeah. dream is alive yeah <laughs> It's alive, and we are alive at the moment. I came from Turkey Mm -hmm. to a whole different country and continent. This is a dream, but at the same time, uh, it's been 13, 14 years. I realize I have become more anxious here Mm -hmm. because things come easier here. We're, We're spoiled here. Yeah. If you're born in Canada, North America, you're a bit spoiled. Not everyone majority of our lives are spoiled i'm basing this on where i'm coming from right yeah 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 so what do you think the biggest culture shock is good what do you think yeah yeah for sure what do you think the biggest culture shock is coming from turkey to here in terms of um increasing anxiety i think the first thing that pops i was actually pat's house last night um some friends and my mom's here now too we were talking about this it seems that i find that people label each other very quickly even Mm -hmm. doctors label you very quickly well you have anxiety disorder you have have adhd i I, i'm not saying you don't yeah but for example that's not known in turkey yet maybe i had it i probably did have it Mm -hmm. i didn't know I couldn't study in elementary school. I didn't understand anything. But maybe I didn't have to. Like maybe it wasn't. A, it's not a place to learn. It's a place to experience. So I'm fine now. But I think in here, when I came here, people don't talk about stuff, conflicted stuff, mm-hmm. imported stuff. You know, they're hiding it. They're not. I can't generalize it. But overall, culture shock to me was I was. I'm in. As a culture in Turkey, it's an emotional culture. You could share your emotions, and that's fine. You could show your anger. You could show your frustration. You could show your crying, your laughing. Your, you could be loud. 
we could um, do things on the court in volleyball court and that's fine that is totally fine that's a that's a natural thing we are human we show emotions and I find in here I looked like a beast compared mm-hmm. to my teammates and some other players are just like oh why is this guy loud and why is this guy that why is this guy this and I'm showing emotions because I'm going through them I can't just ignore them what happens when you ignore emotions it's it's a mystery like you shouldn't ignore you should know that you shouldn't show too much maybe you shouldn't get on that boat too quickly but also not talking about we talked about this death not talking about political views not mm-hmm. talking about like it's just conversations that people have are based on money i find work and just like stuff that i don't value right so i did have a hard time finding people to talk to in canada it's lots of mundane stuff lots of mundane small talk that you don't really get the opportunity to actually really dig into a really dig into someone until maybe you meet them for the fourth time or unless you crush a six pack of beer with them and then you really get to know someone but a lot of the the reason that that happens is because like alcohol disinhibits your your frontal lobe which is your decision making so it that that is a canadian culture that's a north american culture i think is making the decision to not share your opinions your views how you see the world you don't you don't really get the opportunity to uh to share that with people mm-hmm. and it's really unfortunate because i think that turns into conversation just being one single conglomerate of every other conversation hey how you doing good thanks how are you and i charlie and i talked about it earlier this week it just i hate responding to that if someone ever asked me how i'm doing it's just i'll give them a thumbs up and a good but i don't i don't like engaging in the uh the mundane classic conversation that you always have the cookie cutter conversation yeah of just seeing someone i'd way rather like the basketball guys have it down. It's awesome walking past the basketball guys. There's no small talk or anything. It's just a head nod, the occasional fist bump. Hey, but there's no, there's no bullshit. I think that's the big thing that I, that I like about talking with people is when you can just jump into a conversation really, really quickly mm-hmm. and have it be meaningful and not just, like I said, mundane bullshit. Exploring, man. I like exploring my mind. Like mm-hmm. I, I like to talk to someone to explore what their mind is and my mind is help me to learn things help me to learn about myself and I talk to someone I often find about themselves but morally I learn about myself I realize there are some things I talk about I didn't think before mm-hmm. so this will be a, my teenage years in Istanbul I played for a club team and I, we, me and my friends will start drinking early age and smoking cigarettes and drinking and all that stuff it's just a cultural thing but while you're doing that you're not in a club you're not in the you're not you're not that's not the process we go through this is the process we went through you'll sit in a um on a little tavern or something like that and talk about political stuff or the family stuff that you went through or girlfriend stuff you're going through that is that is real, like real stuff. You often will hug each other and cry. The Turkish people are very um, touchy. Like very, mm-hmm. like you, when you go to Turkey, they'll kiss you, they'll hug you. There's personal space, less personal space. Right. And it's a shame that I'm adopted in this culture and I'm trying to um, stop it 
from getting to me so much that I, I need my personal space more than I used to. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's me. But that is coming from the culture. And yeah, that's what teens do. They, they share political views. I think it's good for young people to share political views and have an opinion and listen to other people's opinion. Yeah. How often does that happen in Canada? I don't even know if anyone talks about this stuff anymore. Like they, people don't even vote. Mm-hmm. You choose your side very quickly in Turkey. Are you on this side or that side? You and it's, it seems to be really... Like when I talk about politics, I just... I try to go into with the understanding that someone disagreeing with me isn't a shot at my personality, which I think is really, really tough Like within our culture is that anytime someone disagrees with you or says that you're... You're, that they think you're wrong, it's always, we always take it as a shot to our personality. I do too sometimes. Like I'll, I'm, I'm more than guilty for, for falling into the culture. Like nobody's above the culture. It's only once you understand how the culture operates that you can kind of maneuver with it and around it a little bit more. But especially in politics, it always turns into a, a me versus you, us versus them, where it's not really like that. We're all, if you really delve into someone's personality you get to realize that like there's there's no I don't think there's anyone that I could hate in the world if I learn their entire story if I sit down and have a really good conversation for three hours just talk someone talk to someone about their life and their upbringing and who they are and why the way they are I doubt that I could not love that person and I think it's the same with politics that everyone has this opinion that is primarily because of where they come from and their background and the more that someone explains something, then the more logistical it really does seem. Like, it, like there are some political views that initially I think that they're super radical, but after hearing what someone's background is, it's like, wow, yeah, that, no, that makes sense. Like, nobody's a bad guy. Could relate to. Yeah. And I think when you say politics, maybe it's a scary, th- scary word. You yeah. know, it doesn't have to be. Like, I grew up, um, my dad was a, he, he spent majority of his life as a revolutionist. Mm-hmm. He was cool. a professional revolutionist. He got caught in his when he was 21 by cops and government. Um, not that he was doing anything illegal. Well, illegal, I'll put that in quotes, but I don't want to dig into that. But in court, he said, the judge asked him, what is your occupation? He said, I'm a professional revolutionist. This is what I do. And to me, that stuck with me in early age, you know. I think politics is a big umbrella. We shouldn't really say politics when we talk about something. We're not talking about politics. We're talking about something bigger than just us. When mm-hmm. culture right now sh- pushes you to just to be about you. And I'm guilty of it for social media and all that. Like, it is pushing you to just be you. Don't worry about anything else. Show everyone how you're doing. Mm-hmm. Show how everyone how good you are and all that. But when we say politics, it should be, what do you think is going wrong? What do you think things could be better? What can make things better? What do you think about the, all the poor people in the world or hunger people or rich people? Or this country is running very well. How come? Like questioning questioning things. It's talking about politics. You're, you're questioning things. Yeah. It's like... You can't just ignore that. That is life. You're not. You're gonna live eighty, ninety years of life if you're lucky. You're gonna go through it just looking at yourself. You're missing out. You are missing out big time. There's a lot more out there. 
think and talk about and you will feel better i'm reaching out to everyone talk talk it, about stuff it's good it it's is. really good the, and the more you talk i feel like the more that other people talk the more that encourages more people to talk that's my cue see you guys bye tyler bye tyler <laughs> go have smash some balls yeah volleyball is all about talking communication man you gotta talk the seams all that good stuff roof at least two balls But yeah, it's um I definitely think that people people don't talk because other people don't talk. Mm-hmm. Um, contagious. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, talking does become contagious. I know that um there's like a huge stigma around therapy and I think that that also comes from Instagram and and all like all social media, not just Instagram, but the idea of portraying your best self all the time. In my Instagram, sometimes I'll make jokes on my Instagram just about how I'm hitting rock bottom I and saw how horrible my life is and it, I think it's just fun to poke holes in that the culture of you have to be good all the time um, there's this show called Ozark that I, I only watched a little bit of it but there was a really really cool shot where um, they move to this place and the daughter hates it but she's and she, she's like bawling her eyes out and then she stops for a second and takes a selfie and posts on Instagram and says like I really love Ozark like I'm really loving this new town this new place and I think that that happens a lot people post photos and they just you want the common perception of you to be that you're as good as you possibly could be because I think that number one that's a huge mating thing um, just physiologically throughout throughout history it's whoever's doing the best typically gets to mate with people mm-hmm. and I like to look at things through physiologically because we're just animals and to see ourselves as more than an animals kind of mm-hmm. I think it actually inhibits you a little bit more but I definitely think that therapy is one of those things that people don't do because then you're admitting to yourself that you're not necessarily okay. And that's okay. Like it's, it's okay. It's good to be not okay. Um, I, like we talked about a little bit earlier with the depression and anxiety and I would rather, I'd rather have anxiety and anytime that I do get depressed, it's always just this really cool switch where you kind of get to make a choice. And I think, I think depression's a natural physiological thing that happens that's it's basically telling you to change something. Change anything. Just eat differently, um, stay awake more, go and do exercise, but it's your body telling you that the state that you're in right now is not okay. It's a smoke detector. Yeah. It it gives you signals. It something's don't. wrong. Yeah. There's something going on. You need to deal with it. More you press it, worse it will get. Yeah. You will not it takes one year sometimes or until you're dead but you will you will have to deal with it in your mind at some point and i think now that idea just popped in my head that social media i realized that how influential like we could influence people through social media i just realized that i'm like oh this is not just for me i do it just for me but i realized oh maybe i could post things and i could do things to affect people just like this your podcast will affect people Mm -hmm. you're trying to get your voice out there and it is this is a great generation to do that it's a shame that people don't talk much as much as we should in this culture you ask me what is the biggest culture shock i didn't speak in english when i came to canada so culture shock to me was not speaking not even the culture itself to me i'm a talkative person i mm-hmm. find myself usually talking to girls in the team or someone about volleyball i'm like, oh sorry i talk too much about this yeah then i start stop saying sorry about that i'm like no i talk 
mm-hmm. if you need to go just say you need to go I'm going to be talking like I have things to share because it's all in my head like I don't want to live with this I need to I need to talk to someone about this that's why I appreciate you inviting me here because I have lots to talk about man any subject you want let's hit it that's normally what happens is you and I end up in the team room and we'll just talk for two hours and then miss a workout yeah <laughs> <laughs> I know just I'm just gonna do 20 minute cardio instead of water and I'll work out now yeah <laughs> that's my life yeah I've definitely um I've definitely taken up on the idea of just not apologizing for things that I'm not sorry about because I think obviously we're Canadian so it's just kind of funny but I could do better yeah. we just say sorry about everything all the time and too much very Can't rarely do I say sorry now because very rarely do I do things that I actually feel bad about the only time that I really feel bad about something is when I wake up in the morning after drinking and I'm like, oh, I, I said something dumb. I made a dumb decision or something like that. But even... I that mean, never I, happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> even even, even um, Ty was actually talking about... I, yeah, no, um, even, if, even if Ryan tries to apologize for uh, blowing my pinky up, like, I just won't accept it. Like if you're, you should never apologize for something you're not sorry for. You should never apologize for the sake of just saying sorry. I mean, I, I believe that there are some relationships that you just have to, you have to talk, not, not apologize. Like if you don't feel sorry for something, you really shouldn't apologize. I think it creates a, a disassociation from your emotions. I think it's the same thing with, um, with avoiding the idea that you're anxious or that you feel a certain way about something. Like, I feel like the more that you can actually accept the things that are going on, accept the emotions that you have, it's okay to hate someone. Mm -hmm. It's okay to hate someone. It's okay to love someone if they don't love you back. But it really, I think that you start to become disassociated from your personality and who you are when you start to actually repress those and say like, no, I don't hate that guy. But every time you see that guy, your blood boils. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that, I think that's, I think that those situations are when you lose control of who you are and do dumb things like like getting into a bar fight or something with someone you don't like. Like mm-hmm. that that's when you repress that emotion enough that you finally hit a point where you're like, "Yeah, I do hate you. Let's go." And you yeah. go at it rather than just acknowledging that you hate them the whole time so that you can actually um you can you can hold your emotions a little bit tighter to you and understand how you feel as you're feeling it. Mhm. I have many examples I think I could give that I thought I didn't like this person and now I'm really good friends with this person Mm -hmm. turns out we are actually great together you know guy friend you know I don't want to give names and so when we don't like something it could be related to something else most likely there's something underlying it could be jealousy it could be Jealousy is a big thing. Sometimes we don't like other person because they have something we don't have and they do some things that, or there's other reasons like disrespectful and stuff, but you could dig deep into that. Why do people need to be this, why I have a thing with that. Like when people used to disrespect me, I'll get really angry. And I started reading about it. That doesn't make sense. I shouldn't get angry. That's that's not a good way to handle when someone disrespectful to you. If you live your like life you're like that forever, you'll be getting into all sorts of arguments and fights for no reason. Mm-hmm. So every emotion has some like not everything, but some emotions have underlying reasons, and that's why it's good to talk about it. Like I find, I'm gonna go back to volleyball for a second and team, not volleyball, just team. I find that when we played volleyball, 
we were a very communicative team. That we were a highly communicative team. It was a struggle to go to your practice because we talked about all the things we shouldn't talk. People think we shouldn't talk about. So a lot of opinions out there, but that creates that creates a healthy environment. It's a yeah. safe, healthy environment. More you share, more you open yourself, you realize. At the moment, you realize you don't realize that it, it helps the bigger cause. It does help a bigger cause. So I encourage the girls to talk about things. Like don't just you can't just come to me or something and just be like, I have an issue with this person. Chad always gives the example. Like, have you talked to them? Did they, that, does that person know? Talk. See what happens. Miracles happen when you talk to people. And I find when I'm feeling really bad, like sometimes you wake up, you feel like shit. There's no reason for it. You'll start talking to some stranger, your day will lighten up. Yeah. They will say one thing, your day will line up. We are not supposed to be quiet. We're not quite, in nature, we're not quiet. We're not supposed to keep things in. There are certain times a day you should be quiet, be yourself, meditate, do whatever you need to do, be yourself. Other than that, I like to think that we should communicate better. And don't you think like a generation now, it's better in writing than talking? Like people probably prefer writing to each other than talking. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. Because you could read my emotions when I'm talking. You could see me getting angry. You could see me getting... It's uncomfortable. Why are we afraid of uncomfortable things? It's a good place to be. I put myself in uncomfortable situations purposely, I think. That's what I try when I think. I left the whole country. I'm like, let's see what's out there. I can't just look at the ocean or through a little hole and be like, oh, that's great. No, no I have to see what's behind that. Like, that is... Not a question. I want to see what's out there. That's that's how I that's how I see it. So if you don't put yourself in an uncomfortable situation, you're not growing. Comfortable is not comfortable. Comfortable creates uncomfortableness. It's not comfortable to be comfortable. Write that down. <laughs> <laughs> I was doing. Um, I started writing a lecture series uh, towards the end of the summer. Yeah. I did this thing in India, and I got I got a cool idea. Um, well, actually, it started probably three years ago. Um, I was coaching a volleyball camp for a friend, and he asked me if I wanted to do a classroom session. And he kind of just always throws me into these super uncomfortable situations. And I was like, yeah, I'll do a classroom session. I Great didn't really decision. know what to talk about. But I said yes, and it probably lasted five minutes, and it was horrible. And I walked outside, and all the kids left, and he was like, man, that was supposed to take an hour. You were supposed to fill an hour of time. I was like, yeah, I don't know. So over the summer, I decided that I wanted to uh, to write a lecture series. Um, not necessarily for just volleyball, but mm-hmm. for life. Um, it talks a lot about ego and um, ego death and all that kind of stuff. But he, I, I told him that I wanted to do it. And he was like, well, I don't know. You kind of, you kind of botched the last one. So you can, you can try it at this one camp and we'll see how it goes. And... Um, it, it ended up going super well but actually oh, I totally forget where I was going with that um, that's right but uh, yeah no it that was something that was really really big for me but I think that oh sorry yeah that okay now I thought process back. back on it's it's something that I'll always tell kids anytime I coach or anyone this is one of the things that I believe super heavily is that only 
only in the unknown is anything possible. Like anytime you step out of your comfort zone, that's the only time within your comfort zone, everything is very finite. I know that I can do this. I know that I can do that. But there are lots of things that even playing post-secondary volleyball, living in Kamloops, mm-hmm. this apartment, those are all things that I never thought could happen when I was a kid. And I think that's something that happens with everybody. Lots of people get to surpass their dreams. Right. I remember my dreams when I was a kid was playing Team Alberta volleyball or not, not even playing Team Alberta, like making a specific team. And then as time goes on, the more that you push that comfort zone, the more you just surpass your, your dreams. You, you, you shoot for the moon and you reach the stars. That's right. or sorry, you shoot for the stars and you actually surpass the stars. Mm-hmm. Actually, that first one was probably better. You shoot for the moon, you reach the stars. You, you keep going and the more that you do, the, the better it all gets. And I, I've just always found that super interesting, the fact that we constantly surpass what we perceive as our, our high end, our peak reality. And tons of people do it all the time, but you don't see that from the people that just kind of sit on their couch and watch Netflix all day and complain about a lot of stuff. I think a big part's complaining. Complaining is big. The less, the less you complain, the better off you are. Like, life just happens. Nobody likes it. No. Nobody really appreciates it. I'm like, oh, man. It was nice to hang out with him. I heard all the wrong things with him, about him. You know, yeah. like, that's not cool. Like, you, we all have shit going on in our life. Yeah. But I love the subject of dream, dreaming big. See, I don't know what my capabilities are. I have no idea. I have no fucking idea. I don't know what I'm capable of. I don't see the limit of it. I don't see the end of it. And you, So you shouldn't. Nobody should. Nobody knows what you're capable of. It's silly that we will give ourselves such little credit. I thought I was dumb. In elementary school, I thought I was the dumbest kid. I didn't understand shit from nothing. No understanding of what this course is about. Probably failed, officially failed all the courses. Mm-hmm. No interest of doing homework. Nothing. Didn't go to high school. I went to high school. I got. I have my paperwork, <laughs> but I don't know my classmates. I don't know anyone from high school, you know? Yeah. And it... All my life, this idea was given to me my, by my coaches and teammates that, oh, you, you could just play volleyball. That's what you're doing. That's, this is it. My manager once told me that if I quit volleyball, I can't even sell fruit on the street. I told him that, well, my parents were farm. They, I worked in farmer's market all my life as a kid. I sold great things. That's when I, that I it's a silly thought, mm-hmm. but when someone tells you you can't do something, you realize like you can that's a great drive. Anyways, my point is, all this like education. I don't think I was educated at all. Like I don't. I like I learned fundamentals and fu- foundation of things and simple things. Then I picked my backpack up and jacket, and I came to a place, Kamloops. I don't even know if you show me on a map. If you show me a map, show where Kamloops is, I'll struggle to show you at the time. There was no Google. There was no cell phone. I didn't have a cell phone. I had a piece of paper that had the address of the school. Take that in. Shooting in dark, buddy. Get out of your comfort zone. People tell you things. People told me things that I can't do. But yeah, I didn't speak English. I learned it. I'm smart, just like you are. We are all smart. We are. I understand if you have disabilities. That's fine. That that is a different. I'm not. I'm not talking about that. I'm pulling that aside. If you actually have physical or mental 
disabilities, I'm not including you in. But majority of us are blocking our dreams. We don't believe in ourselves. It's crazy. It, it is absolutely crazy to me. What I have done for myself, for someone, it may look like nothing. To me, it's fucked up. I'm sitting in Canada where I came from. I had, I think, $800 in my pocket. And I showed up in Pat's office. And like all I could say was yes or no and coach. To a point that I graduated, I am actually the first. I'm not pumping my tires. I'm trying to encourage people yeah. to see what's out there. You could do anything you want, man. Anything. It's possible. If I did it, then you could do it. I, I, at this point, I'm sitting in my life. I'm in transition. I have a kid. I'm married. I have a job. Now I'm questioning things. I'm like, oh, what's now? What's next? What am I capable of now? What? How could I do things better? Ask the questions, you know? And if I look at Josh right now, and I don't know what he could do. I think he could do a lot of things. What can't you do, Josh? Tell us what you can't do. I don't think there's anything, to be honest. There you go. I really... I don't know. I feel like I've just kind of broken the game. Ballet might be one. I don't see you dancing as a ballet dancer. <laughs> Are you kidding? I look think at, you could. Let me see. Look at these long legs. You got nice toes too. I think you could long, big ones. Yep. As I long as I, as long as I, I'd have to strengthen this calf a lot more. I think that was it. I think, I think my Achilles is what kind of broke me. Like that really just broke the game. Injury for me. will show you things you don't know. You go to the dark place, dark Josh. Tell us about the dark place you went. I've, I've, I've done some dark trips. Yeah. Good. Yeah, I like being there. I feel like that's it, though. That's that's the place where I actually I'm kind of excited that I broke this. I'm. It's weird. <laughs> See where it's gonna take you. It's weird. Like I know Pat, what I mean. Pat, Pat came and picked me up from the hospital for probably the sixth time. Um, he came and picked me up. I was like, "Man, you must have been horrible in, in your past lives." And I kind of laughed. I was like, "Actually, in Asia, they said I was really nice in my past lives. That's kind of why I'm here." And just we started laughing, but. Like this isn't bad for me. This is exciting. This is this is just another thing that you any, anything that happens to you, especially bad things. I love when bad things happen to me. I must be a little bit of a sadist, but like I could relate to that. It it's just this point where so many people give up, and I don't like to compare myself to other people, but I definitely do like to to see other people. I'm I'm actually super like super messed up in this, but like when people injure themselves and stuff, I I kind of smile. I'm like, mm-hmm. Good, awesome. Someone someone's girlfriend breaks up with them. Cool, nice. They get fired from their job. Awesome, new, sweet. New doors open. Yeah, good for you, man. That's awesome. There's no, yeah. I don't think there's such thing as bad and good. I think that's kind of what I realized. Um, number one with it, like that was, I talked to Harry Coles quite quickly after I ruptured it and. Um, he kind of came over and was like, yeah, I heard about your Achilles. That's really shitty. I'm mm-hmm. sorry about that. It's like, number one, you didn't do anything, so don't apologize. Cause, yep. yeah. But, and also, just I told him this was going to be the best thing that ever happened to me. And I really think it is. I really think it has been in terms of life and everything that's come with it. I just think that you, you, like, there's no good and bad. Yin and yang is something that I always look at for that. It's just yeah. balance. You, you just need this balance in your life and... Like the Tai Chi too, that's actually what it's called. The whole the whole circle, yin and yang. It has five parts. Um, the circle, yin, yang are the two different fish. And then the two dots on top of them are the balance of one another within each other. Like within light, there's darkness. And within darkness, there's light. So, but it's not like 
so yin is yin is the dark fish and yang is the the light fish and it's not like it's good versus evil but they need each other you, you can't do without each yeah other. the the white fish is the feminine characteristics and the the black fish is the masculine characteristics so it's it's like a this glass of beer um mm-hmm. the masculine is the beer and the feminine is the the beer sorry mm-hmm. the black <laughs> the masculine is the glass and the feminine is the beer and same thing with everything in life you have to have good and bad but they're not even good or bad it's just an ongoing experience that you that after you realize that it it life just becomes so much easier and so much more fun like once you realize there's no such thing as a bad situation mm-hmm. there's a um I talked with Harry about this but there's this really really cool story about a zen farmer Alan Watts talks about it in one of his lectures but the um it's just this this little farmer in China and one day his horse runs away and all the people in the village come and they tell him how awful it is and then the next day the horse comes back with a with a herd of horses I'm not sure what a herd of horses is called but not a pride but bunch of horses yeah a bunch of horses know. lots of horses <laughs> yeah yeah more horses than one so it comes back with a bunch of horses and everyone comes by and they tell him how amazing it is and the next day his son goes out and tries to tries to tame one of the wild horses and it bucks him off and he breaks his leg and then everyone in the village comes along and tells him how horrible that is and then the next day the the conscription officers come by and they they're they're taking everyone's kids and they show up to his place and they see him with a broken leg and they reject him because he can't march and mm-hmm. everyone in the village comes by and they tell him how awesome it is and every single time that someone comes by he just says maybe oh that that's horrible your horse got away maybe wow that's amazing all those horses came back and now you have a you have a huge pride of horses you have a mm-hmm. ton of horses yeah maybe your son fell off his horse and broke his leg that's horrible maybe maybe everything i think everything's just a maybe situation like with with this with with breaking my pinky i now i can see myself being able to focus a little bit more on school and a little bit more on personal development and honestly fundamentals of number 1 my body but number 2 like volleyball like i feel mm-hmm. like every time that something something happens that you're given a time constraint of like hey this will take this will take 4 weeks to heal this will take 4 to 6 weeks to heal mm-hmm. how how long does it take to retrain your brain to do something like, like how long is four weeks really? I feel like those, those numbers that people put on you really make numbers relative. Like if you just sit there and do nothing and you, if you sit on a pillow for 15 hours a day for 10 days straight, you really realize how long 10 days is. 10 days is a long time. You could do lots in 10 days. 10 days is forever. Think about how much you could expand your mind. Like it's an endless pit. You could do so much in 10 days if you had the time. Here, I'll show you a little, I'll share you a little injury story of my own. Mm-hmm. Please do. I I appreciate that you appreciate injury. I don't know if that makes sense. And I'm actually mm-hmm. kind of sad that you hurt your left arm, not right arm. It would have been better if it was your right, right arm because then you'll have to use your left arm more often, which I encourage people to do. This summer, I practice with my left arm in volleyball. Once a week at least. Yeah. In the tournaments, I'll try to play my left arm. Yeah. It, it It's so good for you. It's so fun. It's great. It, it's just like making friends with your, this part of your body. It's like, it, it, don't ignore it. It's yeah. like, it's, you, you never know when you're going to need it. 
I always try to hit with my left. We're yeah. so imbalanced, both mentally and physically. I agree. I will go to a practice by myself and just do things with my left, and you could see how it improves. Mm-hmm. Compared to right arm, your left arm will improve so much. Like same with your left leg, like not dominant. We're both right-handed, that's why we say left or right. Yeah. But non-dominant hand, and non-dominant right, like right. non-dominant leg, you could you could see the improvement so quickly. So it's rewarding to do things with them. Here's my injury thing. Like I wouldn't be sitting in this chair in this country, in this city, married, my lovely life, wife, and kid, and all this last 15 years of my life. It wouldn't have happened if I didn't get injured. As simple as that. I hurt my shoulder when I was 17 year old. I was a golden child in volleyball in my age group in Turkey. I played for national team. I did everything was going great for me. So I ignored school overall. Mm-hmm. I didn't go. To, I didn't want to go to school. Who cares? I want to be a volleyball star. I don't give a shit. I set my mind to it. I went for it. My parents didn't go to. They didn't have. They didn't know how to stop the train. So they couldn't put. They, they couldn't resist to it. And right. they they will see what's going on. They're like, oh, we gotta let this guy be. He's doing good. Then bam. One morning, after one game, I can't even lift my right arm. It's gone. Overused horse, you know? Yep. Too much. Too much too young. All my world shattered. It was embarrassing. A lot of people believed in me. A lot of people thought I was going to be great. Oh, my God. I failed everything. Everyone, my family, myself, my teammates, my old... Like, people put a lot of time in me. Two, what's next? I'm fucked. I am absolutely screwed. I didn't go to school. I should have gone to school. I made a mistake. It takes you a long time to realize that. Mm. My doctor said, you will never be able to use your right shoulder as it was before. Boom, another hit. I didn't play volleyball for a year. I cried in my room often about my future, worrying what to do then your mind helps you. Your mind, when you're by yourself, when you're struggling, if you listen enough, there's, there's exit. There's exit on everything. There's different doors opening for you. Oh, I actually realized I didn't like living in Turkey. I'm, like, I'm home now. I'm not going to practice. I'm not going to school. I'm just home. Mm-hmm. I don't like being here. This is not where I want to be. I realized I haven't want to be here in a long time. I wouldn't have gone through that thought process if I didn't get injured. I would have just done what I'm doing at the moment. So from that dark place, the darkest, darkest place I've ever been, I think, in my opinion, and door opens, you see the exit, you're like, I need to get out and find education. I need to go study. I need to study something. Can I do that in Turkey? I can't, because I didn't go to school. In Turkey, you have to take a test to pass this is how lucky people are in Canada, in a sense. Yeah. In Turkey, to go to university, you have to be a successful high school student. You have to pass this test to get into a university, that, any university. If you're lucky, you could get in. And to pass this test, you have to take private lessons. And my parents didn't have money. They didn't send me to private school. So you're doomed. You're Essentially, you don't have an exit. You're yeah. living the life that is in front of you, and that's it. That being said... From that injury, something wonderful happened. So it's a learning experience. You learn, like, I identified myself as a mobile player for seven, eight years, from 10 years old to 18. Then you realize that's not enough. 
I don't want to have a piece of paper saying I'm a Volvo player. That's not enough. There's life is so much bigger than that. You need to you need to add more things to it. You need to do it. There is no if you don't sometimes things happen like your um Achilles mm. to show you there's more. Now you got into more stuff. You've changed when you had injured you get injured. I could see you've changed. As an outsider, I know you've changed. You look different. As you should. You should look different. You should think different. You do think different. You're more into spirituality. You're traveling. You're thinking. You're differently. Your your thought process has changed. You learned now because of you had a big you had a bigger injury. Now your hand means nothing. You're just like oh I'm gonna I'm gonna explore this next four six weeks. It's a blessing. You think differently. It's it is a good thing to get injured, and I agree with that. I do like it when something happens that just a sign to me. Well, where is this gonna take me? It's like catching a wave. Yeah. You just cut away with your hand. You cut away with your Achilles. Look where it took you. You traveled for four months. Yeah. Maybe you wouldn't have done that. I wouldn't have. You probably would have like, I'm going to stay back and work out. Pat's going to hate me for saying this, but you probably will stay and work out. I'm going to be the best role player. Yes, we all want to be the best of ourselves, but volleyball is not the answer for everything. It's a hate and love relationship to me. It gave me everything I have, but also took everything from me at the same time. Mm-hmm. So it's a balanced thing. Going back to your know, yin yang, there you go. It is a blessing that you got injured on your Achilles. Yeah, I believe that truly. I don't. If someone disagrees, we could talk. We could talk. We could always talk. Yeah. Well, yeah, I know. I totally. I I wouldn't have gone at all because Pat Pat wanted to catch me up by sending me to Korea, and then I didn't even end up going to Korea. Like the only reason that I was over in Asia at all was to go to korea and nobody really wants to hire someone for two months in may and june and then you go to korea for a month and you come back and like nobody wants to hire you for two months at a time and then a third month like they want you for the whole summer so mm-hmm. i decided that it would be i thought a better idea to just travel for the first two months and see southeast asia which is always kind of it's always kind of called me a little bit i've always been really into to buddhism and um just that that type of spirituality, Zen, mm-hmm. Zen Buddhism, and there there are tons of different streams of Buddhism yeah. and Taoism and stuff. So, I decided that I wanted to go to there. And then, while I was in my last my last week in Vietnam, um, I was with my mom, and I got a text from Pat that just said, "Hey, the the Korean coach got fired, so uh, no training opportunities. You should probably go to a a voodoo expert over there and get your bad mojo removed." And and that was it. That was last actually. And then I said to him, I, I just said like, ha ha ha, um, I'm gonna go live in a monastery for a month. Oh fuck, that'll be fucking sweet. I will be I will be down for that, man. It was fun. That I will be down for that. I'm totally into. Can I just bunch, like? Can I just say something s- simple while you're conversing, having your own story? Yeah. No, please, please, please. Because of my injury, I managed, forgot to mention this, I got into Reiki, mm-hmm. healing myself, because I realized I'm in so much pain, and I can't live with my ha- own head. Yeah. I'm struggling every day. I can't live with this guy in my head. It's so ambitious and so competitive. It still is. It's a fucking mm-hmm. struggle to do that for me still. I realized I need to heal myself. I learned Reiki. That's one another good thing, good thing came out of it. And Buddhism and all that, I learned through the Reiki experience and Reiki practice and I still experience I still practice Reiki but did you actually live in monastery? yeah how long? 
Uh, that was the 10 days. Yeah. The 10 days that I alluded to earlier. 10 days, 15 hours of silence a day. Is that like a, not talking for 15 hours to anyone? Like it was, nothing? It was the full 10 days. 10 day vow of silence. And you're meditating for 15 hours a day, sorry. Did you hear screams in your head at some point? Like, ah, I you heard, can't say anything? I heard the... I heard some crazy shit. Yeah. You're, uh, is, aren't we crazy? I think people, someone like just said that, I think it was Kenny that said, like, you're a bit crazy. I'm like, oh, thanks. Thank you. Thank you for realizing that. I'm trying to get that crazy out as much as I can. Yeah. It, we are crazy. I'm glad you experienced the craziness. What kind of thoughts, like dark, what was your darkest thought? If you, if you could remember, it doesn't have to be dark. It's some dark thoughts. Yeah, I, I'm um, interested in that. Actually, I think my I think my darkest thoughts were when I ruptured my Achilles. I think I came to terms with a lot of mm-hmm. um, in psychoanalytics. There's a there's a psychologist named Carl Jung, and he talks a lot about um, the shadow, and he he breaks up personality into a bunch of different stuff. So there's a there's a quaternity, and within the quaternity, you have the shadow, the self, the persona, and the animus or the anima, which mm-hmm. is basically the the masculine and feminine of each side. So so you and myself have, have a female aspect of ourselves that we don't necessarily tap into, but to be a whole human being, you have to tap into each of those four squares. You have to understand who you are in terms of the persona and the persona you give off to people and in different groups. And the self is kind of this idealized, it's kind of the Jesus Christ archetype. Mm-hmm. So just the perfect human being, that's yourself. You're saying long hair helps. Exactly. Long hair, beard helps. Yeah. Long hair and beard <laughs> brings the feminine side out. Yeah. And then and then the anima for me is just understanding how how women feel. I think that's the only way to really have a a healthy relationship with a woman or 100%. with anything of the opposite sex is to understand how how they feel. Um I got a lot of that in Asia. I've people would just grab me all the time and it made me feel very very uncomfortable. Mm. And now I understand more so to an extent. Obviously, I'll never understand fully, but I understand how girls feel when guys just kind of gawk at them. Yeah. And just like gawk and grab at them. And I, I definitely felt like an object at some points in Asia. You're just tall because and you're different. And tall, white, blonde yeah. hair, blue eyes. People just grab me and pet me and wouldn't even talk to me. Just yeah. like I'd be walking past someone in the market and they would just grab onto me. Initially, I thought that they were pickpocketing me. Yeah. Um, but that was something that I realized over there was that like we're all we're all just people we're not we're not objects or anything so that was a, a realization of how how women might feel in a certain in a certain sense um obviously i'll never know the full extent of it especially in north america but and then the shadow is one that it's realizing to me it was just realizing horrible horrible things about myself and being able to understand why people have done horrible things in the past great point being able to empathize with with like the Nazis and being able to empathize with, with people who act out sexual assault and being able to understand where those people come from. And it was, it was like I said earlier with the understanding and accepting your emotions so that they don't run away on you, mm-hmm. but to understand how we could all do these things and how we're all just so, so close to being absolutely evil and accepting those things. Um, and that's, that happened to me, for the most part, when I was in Mexico uh, with my Achilles, we we go down every Christmas, and uh, my mom and I and her husband, we go down and um, disperse Christmas presents and Christmas dinners, and it's just 36 hours straight of 
absolute anarchy, but it's just so awesome. She runs a non-for-profit down there. And so we went down and we were, there's a family that comes, that we're really, really close with. So they came out and helped out and they were helping us wrap presents because for the three of us it would have taken a day. But with them it took 45 minutes and they loved it. They had so much fun. And during all of this, I kind of stepped back for a second. I was like, I totally understand child slavery. Like it's just, it, it just made sense. And well, it's I don't not, understand what they're doing. They're like, I don't understand what... They were just wrapping presents for us. Okay. They were I helping see. us to wrap presents. So I was okay. wrapping presents. Yep. Everyone was wrapping presents, but they were just so quick. A bunch quick of and, and, yep. Exactly. Like they were so quick and upbeat and happy about the whole thing. And it was just this really, really dark moment of understanding why slavery has come to be and how, number one, how horrific it is, but also how efficient it is. And obviously I would, I think that slavery, assault, especially sexual assault and murder are just the three. Those are my three most horrible things that anyone could ever do to someone else. That's really taking away someone's right to be who they are. If you do any of those things, you're, you're making someone, you're impacting someone's life way more than you ever know. Especially with murder, obviously, but mm. the other two, I think, I feel people like I are never add the same. more to that. Like the, there's another one, I think, self destruction. Yeah, I think that also affects people. You could hurt yourself. Yeah, and other people will like, like you may as well murder them. Yeah, because you, you just, you just hurt someone so bad that they may not recover again. You know, like yeah. the self destruction is also. I think it could be on that list. Totally, it potentially I, could be, and it's just. But I, I definitely, um, I, I definitely did realize that it's like, like I said earlier, with the whole evil thing, that nobody's evil, and to be able to to empathize with people who do horrible things is, I think, kind of when you hit this point of realization that you could also do that thing, and I think that's that's a healthy place because then now, now, now I work harder to avoid that, but while right. also understanding that I could do those things like i could totally relate to that all of us are man if 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 we were part of world war ii germany the likelihood that we're part of the nazi regime and just putting people away is just so high Mm -hmm. the the only i think the only way that you could actually resist that is to accept how easily you would jump into that Mm -hmm. that's true right that's a great point instead of being like oh those monsters i will never do that i wouldn't say that like mm-hmm. I like you don't know what you could do in situations when it's a fight or die situation. You don't know what fight or flight. You don't know what you're gonna what's gonna come out of you. Mm-hmm. You have no idea who you are. We never tap into it. We never really understand ourselves to see to make decision decisions. Some of those people made decisions based on their who knows their who knows? families. They're, they're, Your family's gonna die if you don't move. do this. Yeah. So I have a fucked up story. Mm-hmm. It is sad, it is eye-opening, it is shocking, and it is all that. It is, I, I still don't understand it. In TRU, we had a teammate, you said, talking about evil. I looked at someone in the eye that is evil. My teammate, Colin Gordon. I'm not sure if he's evil. From what we heard, mm-hmm. he did evil things. I have... He played in our team. He was part of our team. Terry Wolfpack men's volleyball team. I believe 2007. Maybe 2006 and seven. I can't recall now. 
blurry years, but like he was from Calgary. He came off as just a social guy that wanted to do things and we didn't think anything of it. Like he didn't, he wanted to be part of this team. He wasn't, he had a big jump. He he played a couple of games, maybe I can't remember now. He was just part of our team. We partied together. He he lived in the, our place in downtown. We had a pool. Like it, he lived in Colin Jagger's house. Like we, we partied with this guy. I actually got him a job at CJ's at some point as an event coordinator. He wanted to throw, like he had no money. He wanted a job. He was going through some struggle. I'll get back to that in a second to make a point. Mm-hmm. But he joined ISIS when he left Kamloops with his brother. He went extreme Muslim. And he, it went slowly. He was like, he will post things on Facebook first. Believe in Allah, otherwise you're in the wrong path. Soft, soft messages. Like this is not aggressive. Then he will become, if you don't believe in Allah, then we got a big issue. Like he went from that to like, I'll kill you if you don't believe in Allah. Immediately. Like it happened very quickly. And then he disappeared from Canada. He used to send me messages all the time, weekly, because I'm from Turkey. It's a Muslim country. He's like, Baba, may Allah bless you. All this stuff. I'm like, hey, man, I don't feel like I'm part of any religion. Mm-hmm. I grew up in a religious country. My dad is atheist. My mom, I'm not so sure. Like, she, she, I don't, she doesn't practice Muslim. But, like, my grandma is full Muslim. Like, I'm coming from a full Muslim country. And you are not practicing the religion i could see you're not you're 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 rebelling against something that you shouldn't i could see it i messaged him this long message i said don't message me about this stuff i have heard enough of it i've seen enough of it you won't change my mind quit it then he joins isis then he's on the news he's posting videos of like in twitter we're gonna kill everyone that doesn't believe in allah and all that and I'm not sure if he killed anyone or not, but he died in a fight. And to me, I looked at this guy in the eye hundreds of times. We hung out. I didn't see it. I looked at him. I did not see he could do that. I didn't see he could kill someone. He's a murderer. In a, essentially, I'm not sure if he did it, but he set his mind to do it. Mm-hmm. He said he will kill you if you don't believe in something. That is no different than... Nazi regime or anything like simple individual, simple individual could go from bad to sh- bad, good to bad, bad to worse quickly. And now I reflect back to what has, what could go wrong with this guy. And I realized that he wanted to be part of our team. Maybe we didn't include him enough. Maybe we should have been more including. Maybe, maybe we should have. I'm not sure if that would have helped, but we just ignored him. We didn't do much about it. He was poor. He walked everywhere in the town. I'll be driving from downtown to Aberdeen and he, I'll see him in random places in the middle of the night. He'll be walking because he didn't have money. So we don't know what triggers these things. We can't judge. The, I, I, I still to this day, I can't judge him. I'm like, I don't know what happened. Like I could, if I talk to him, I, maybe he'll say something. I'll have an understand. I'm not sporting him. I'm just curious how one person could go from this to fucking killing anyone that doesn't agree with you how could that happen like that is hundreds and thousands of people in 
in these like ISIS ISIS camps and all this like you see young people doing this shit because they they don't know they're lost. People are lost. They don't know. They can't find themselves. So they just as soon as someone gives them a purpose, they just follow it. Yeah. They just go for it. They, there's something bigger than I should. I I bigger than I I thought there will be. And saddest part of the story is, him and his brother are dead. We don't know, but they're they're dead. Mm-hmm. And before they died in a in a fight, they left a message to their mom and dad saying that if I don't remember the details, but if um, if you do die, you should go to Mount Mountain Kilimanjaro and pray like do this prayer for me for Mo- in Muslim world and mm-hmm. that's all I could ask for and they both die so his dad goes to the mountain and he dies of heart attack while doing that prayer like it is it's so like it, whoever listened to this or even you like you're full with different emotions you don't know what to fucking think it's complicated we can't label these guys. We can't label these things. We can't just put a label on it like... Like, I can't put a label. I don't know what to think. I'm confused. I'm highly confused about this. You know, like, how could one person go from being a student athlete at university to, boom, in Iraq fighting? Like, tell me what you think. I'm curious. What will you think? Of? What, what makes... What is going through your brain right now in body? I think that it's, I think the transition's always really slow. I think that's the, number one, I think you do hit on a really good point about meaning in life. And I think religion is one of those things that seriously just give you crazy meaning in life. Number one, it tells you how to act. That, right. That's really, really important. It gives you structure. It gives you crazy structure. Yeah, like, it's, it's actually funny. Um, the teachings of Jesus Christ and the teachings of Buddha are so, so similar. If you, if you take those two people and take away their names and all the, all the context, all the specifics, and just leave the teachings, they're just so, so similar. Such, such similar people. I think Jesus Christ was a Buddha. I think he had a, he had a Buddha awakening and he, he just lived this life of enlightenment and he understood kind of what the whole world was about or at least to him he he wanted to live in this world of love the mm-hmm. same way the buddha did um and i so i, th- I think religion does give you a way to live uh, it gives you a purpose 100%. and it gives you a set of rules 100%. and and some of some of us don't need that yeah my yeah. grandma died i asked my grandpa look how do you handle this how how does one deal with death how mm-hmm. does one deal with spouse's death you're together for 40 50 years this person knows everything about you what happens he's like it's simple he's like i pray to allah he's like i pray to god and that that saves him that helps him i'm like that's fucking great that's good for you yeah i probably won't do that i just don't have it in me i i maybe in 30 years i will change think differently i find that i don't fully seek that but if that helps you, that's great, man. That's great because we're gonna see our some shit in our lives that we're gonna need something else. We can't just think and be okay. Yeah, we need something, and we don't know what will help us. If that moment religion helps you, that's great. That's why it's there for. Exactly, it's a really really good coping mechanism. It is, and I, 
anytime someone asks me if I'm religion, it, it's a really, really difficult question to Same. answer because I've, I've read the books. I've read tons about Buddha. I've learned a ton about Buddha and I've learned a ton about Hindi. That's pretty much all I did in Asia was just study and learn from people about the like Eastern religions and mm-hmm. like I've, I've taken on the Bible a lot. Like I've just read that a ton. Um, and all of it throughout the whole thing is, it's all really right on. It's all very, very spot on. But it makes you feel good when you read it. Yeah, totally. But it it's does. not as if I. It's not as if I buy into institutionalized religion. I think that's how I would describe religion. Is right. Let's the, separate the institutionalized that. version. Yeah. Let's separate that. Yeah. And I think that spirituality. I think. The way that we see. Um, the way that we see Christianity right now is institutionalized religion. But I think in its purest form of just the Bible, a set of stories and a set of a ways to live. And it's, it's just this huge manual for how to live. And it's all symbology and stuff. And I think that that's a mixture between philosophy and spirituality. That's where I stand to. Yeah. I stand in the same, same spot, basically, as you. I read Quran. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Beautiful book. Like, it makes you feel good gives you the good values some of us don't know our, what we value and it helps you to understand what we should value 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 helping poor value praying five times a day it's good for you to meditate mm-hmm. you can't tell me it's not like it gives you the good things to do but then some assholes some powerful dickheads grab religion and make something else out of it no sir I lived in a country it's Muslim that women are pushed away. Women are not they're, they're the weak link. Mm. They are not they're not like the Quran doesn't do that. Quran has says nothing about that. They're they're like half God. Woman gives you and me are here because of women and men of course too, but like women raise they, they give birth. Like I just had a kid. You see what's coming, you're just like I don't care what people say. That's a fucking miracle. I yeah. can't believe that happens to every second, every minute. Millions of people just having babies. That is a miracle. And you can't just ignore that women are less than men. You can't. Like I don't accept that. That's why when we separate religion with like modern religion, like modern, like what people think of Muslims and all that, like I don't agree with any of it. No, no, I'm not going to agree with women not leaving their house and covering everything they have so they don't show any skin. So men, if they do get raped in Turkey, they are, it's because women showed skin. Fuck off. You can't, you can't separate men and women. You, you can't, you, they're separated, you, they're different, but you can't give one different rules, rights than the other. That is, that is not going to fly. That is going to fly until some point, and at some point, that's going to come to an end. That's why I'm in our generation. When we grew up to this, when we came to this world, you, I in Turkey, I look at religion. I'm like, I hate it. I hate it. I went to mosque as a kid. Here's a here's my experience for first as a Muslim kid growing in Turkey. I go to mosque. We they teach us teachings. It was awesome. Mosque is quiet. There's carpets everywhere. It's a beautiful place. I still like going to mosques in Turkey. It's beautiful. I feel great. But then this guy who's teaching it, 
who's teaching you the religion that you should learn, he's not in the right mindset. He tells, he asked me a question first day. He's like, Allah is watching you all the time. You have to do the right things all the time. You can't make wrong decisions. I'm like, okay. Next day, he goes through and we're all lined up. He's like, he came to me. He's like, where do you think Allah is? I'm like, I was freaked out. I said, upstairs, like up there in the sky. He's like, no, it's everywhere. What do you think? Every step you take, he's watching you. I said, okay. And then next day or next week, we, we did this like weekly. I'm like, I went to home and I asked my mom, I'm like, like our neighbor had a kitten and had babies. I'm like, mom, so are those kitten babies Muslim? Are they born Muslim? Because everybody should be Muslim. That's what I, I was told. Mm-hmm. Like, what is the answer? Like, how does animals fit in religion? Why is religion just for human? Like how, like you can't in Muslim, like in our te- the teachings in Turkey in school, everybody's born Muslim. Well, fuck, animals are born. Are they Muslim? Answer that question. You can't generalize things. You can't just born something. I fought so hard to make religion courses in high school. My parents had to sign a letter saying that my kid doesn't want to take religion course. I was labeled in high school. They're like, hey, why not taking religion course? Cause I don't believe in what they teach. I rather need to crown myself and see what, what it does to me. I listen to my grandma. I'm born in Turkey and in my ID it says my religion is Muslim. I disagree. You can't label me. You shouldn't label me. You're not going to label my kid. I'm revolution. I, I am I'm revol- uh, revol- revolution against the government. Fuck mm-hmm. it. I'm not Muslim. I'm not, I don't know what I am. Like, you can't label me. That's what I, my thing is. You can't label people. Are you not Christian? Are you not? Are you this? Who gives a shit? Right? Yeah. Who cares? Buddhism is beautiful. Quran is beautiful. Bible, there's so many good teachings. Read it. Take what you can. Go to bed. Pray. Do what, what does to you. But don't push me. Don't push me. Don't tell me how I should treat women. How I shouldn't eat pig. That's one of the things in Turkey. You can't eat pig. Yeah. How come? I love it. Bacon is delicious. It is. Does it make me a less man? I drink. Is that I'm a less man now? I still have beliefs. Like we can't generalize. We can't. We can't be so strict to each other. We have to be flexible. We can't have. Like. In my opinion. We shouldn't have. Like you and me should sit here. You could be Christian. I could be extreme Muslim. You could be Christian, extreme Christian. We should still be able to have these conversations. It doesn't have to be fight. Mm-hmm. So I'm strongly against pushing religion against other people. And that's coming from Turkey, I think. That's something I don't like. I don't like that people push religion on me. Yeah, I think, I think North America is actually at a really cool point of kind of pushing religion away but accepting spirituality but at the same time I think religion is really really important in the sense of giving people meaning we, we, we hit on that earlier of just having rules to life and having a meaning of being good to your neighbors and mm-hmm. having a meaning of serving God and I think share your food exactly yeah there are um, I want to say it's 23 but it's 23 
23 points of religion that almost every religion hits on that are basic necessities for humans as social creatures. So stuff like food and sharing food and getting into groups with people and praying, which is a form of meditation, which I think is super duper healthy. I love it. Yeah. Like any, I think that's the, I, I talked with one of my psych profs about this today because she, I, we're, we're doing a, uh, I'm in a health psych class and we, for one of our projects, we have to, we have to give a presentation on something that we think is either healthy or unhealthy and look at articles and get some peer reviewed stuff. And my whole thing was about how religion's really, really good for you because I think it is. And we were talking about it and she was like, well, if you think religion's really good for you, then you should probably go the other way and talk about why it's bad for you. I was like, oh no, no, no. Like I've already, I've already thought about that. And I actually don't like institutionalized religion, but I'd like to discuss how it, how the, the practices of institutionalized religion are really, really good for you. And she was kind of confused about that because, and I, I'm, I'm brain hungover right now, but, or I was earlier today before breaking my pinky, but, um, <laughs> but she, so she was, she was really, really confused and kind of in this weird headspace of like, why, what do you mean institutionalized religion is good for you, but also bad for you at the same time. And I think that it's, I think that it really hits on a lot of really important aspects of humans as a social creature. And at the same time, I think it's just horrible that like you, you alluded to it, the brainwashing, the brainwashing of religion that consistently happens that you're told to feel a certain way. And I think, a, I think Alan Watts talks about this. You can't love on purpose. I can't go to you and say, Hey, you have to love, you have to love Allah. You mm -hmm. have to love Allah. You can't love on purpose. Life might be a lot simpler if you could love on purpose. You could, you meet a really, really cool girl that seems perfect for you, and and you you could totally love that person if you could love on purpose, and then your life would just go absolutely smashingly the the whole time. Yeah. But you can't. That's an unfortunate reality of reality is that you can't you can't feel emotion on purpose. If you don't hate someone, you can't hate them. If you don't love someone, you can't just love them by sheer will. And this is the same thing with God. If I if I truly loved God, if I truly believed and loved the idea of a one true father in the sky, which actually was originally a female and maybe then, a mother, yeah. Yeah, because like a God was originally a female and she birthed the universe, but then that slowly got changed and diluted the more as religion developed. But either way I c I can't love something on purpose. Right. I think I think that's where it's coming from. I can't love something because you told me to do it. Mm -hmm. like that is, I don't know how to ignite that switch. Otherwise, I will love everybody. Otherwise, I will, there will be no hate in the world. If you could just switch the flip, be like, flip the switch, be like, yep, yep, I will love her. I will love him. Done. Yeah. But we can't do that. We're not, we don't even know how to do that. So what do you tell me to do? Like, how could you expect me to love something? Like, and as a kid, they should, they should, they should teach the beautiful things that each religion offers. Like, sharing food is big. But this is how conflicting is. Government in Turkey right now is Muslim government. Like, they're conservatives and they're pushing it. Right. One of the first things is share the wealth with the poor. This guy lives in Golden Castle. Confusing. It... it it, it is not a good site to see for kids. 
That's not, look, you're talking about Buddha, the way he lived, the way Jesus lived, the way Muhammad lived. You could, like, they, they lived, if, if the stories came truly, if the stories are perfectly accurate, mm. they lived and they, they lived by example. They lead by example. They did things by ex- like, they, like Buddha didn't. It doesn't sound like he he lived a luxury life and he was mean to people. But when he talked to people, he was super kind. Like he was true to himself. He showed what he is. It's he, funny actually. He um sorry to cut you off. Yeah, he, that's uh, all good. So, so there there are five Buddhas. Um, but the Buddha that everyone knows, the the yellow Buddha. Is that Siddhartha? Yes, yeah, Siddhartha. Yeah. 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 So, so he. I was actually born in a castle. Um, his mother birthed him through her armpit right. because she was she was a virgin. Mm-hmm. Um, she birthed him through her armpit under a tree. And his and then and a wise man told his father, the king, beforehand that he would either become a great ruler or a great spiritual leader. So his father decided that he wanted him to be a king and succeed the line. So he kept him within this castle for everything, and he gave him anything that he wanted. He was tw- and he, everything that he wanted, anything that he could ask for, until he was twenty years old, and then he peeked over the, the castle wall because he became super depressed, and he wanted to. He wanted to see more. He wanted to see what was outside of the walls because we talked about this earlier. If you if you don't have to survive and you're only thriving, then, it becomes really easy to get depressed because you don't need to go out and get anything. Everything's just given to you instantly and you don't need to fight or, or scavenge or anything like that. Everything's just given to you and it's easy to fall into this this pit. So he falls into this pit and he goes outside of the castle walls. So he, he leaves and he sees old age, sickness, and death. And he realizes that everyone else suffers just like he does. So... He goes and he he starts meditating and it took him until 35 to attain enlightenment. But he was someone that that felt this. He was someone that experienced... What do you feel? Yeah, like he was someone that experienced life and he he got everything. And then he also lived a life where he got nothing. And he he was a monk and he begged for food. I'm not sure if he was a monk, but he begged for food and he practiced meditation. And the whole idea with... So monks can't, they can't work. Mm-hmm. And the only way that they can get food is by begging. Um, and this is what, this is also what we practice during um, the, the meditation that I did was called Vipassana. And it's just 10 days of vow of silence and you're meditating for, on schedule it's 14 hours a day. But in reality, for the other amount of time that you're given to, to eat breakfast, lunch and dinner, you you're given like four hours total for those. It's actually tea. You're fasting for 19 hours a day. Mm-hmm. But during during that time, um, during those times, you're given four hours. So breakfast is hour and a half. Lunch is, or no, breakfast is one hour. Lunch is two hours. Tea is one hour. So during those times, you you run out of things to do because you're not allowed to write. You're not allowed to read. You're It's literally just meditation. So you end up meditating during those times as well. But power went off. It always happens. So 
So, okay. So we practice with the food, with the food that we ate. Um, you don't get to choose your food at all. That's awesome. You don't get well, to food anything. Are, and I think it's anxious state to be able to, like, what should we eat? This is a stupid question. Like, we should eat what we have. But some of it was horrific food. <laughs> like, it was awful. It was just, um, I dislike, North Americans dis- t- typically dislike black licorice. Right. Which is funny because I actually they, like it, yeah. they love it in, in India. So, yeah. there were licorice dishes sometimes and there were just some foods that I really didn't like. I also had food poisoning going into it. So it just like wasn't, the food just wasn't great. But at the end of it, we, um, you watch these videos of this guy that, that teaches Vipassana on like the biggest scale. He's, he's passed away now, but every Vipassana is the same. Um, but the food is not great. And the mangoes were a little bruised and the bananas were a little bit gross and it wasn't like sweet mango. Yeah. And there were lots of things that just weren't perfect. But at the end, he talks about it. And he's like, this is all planned. It's planned that we don't want you to eat the best food that you can find because monks are the same way. And it's just the idea of non-choosing the idea that a sensation isn't good or bad. A food isn't good or bad, but it's just food. Mm-hmm. It's just survival. It's just sensation. So Buddha practiced that as well of just taking whatever he could and being non-choosing and just accepting things as they come. And that, that flows in as well with Zen Buddhism of just accepting being being a drop of water within a within a river and just flowing with everything that happens and not not trying to fight the stream but just flowing with it. Something bad happens, it happens. You flow with it. Something good happens, you flow with it. But yeah, Buddha was this person that experienced both sides of the coin. He I think he 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 does talk about river a lot, like floating state of river. He will sit by rivers. I I read quite a bit about Buddhism mm-hmm. too. I mean, we all need reasons. It's like sometimes we all feel lost. And that's when it could be enlightening to read about these things. It mm-hmm. gives you enough power and mental strength to go through the understand you, especially if you haven't traveled much, you haven't seen the poor of poors. And like people are, like we're living in a luxury country. We don't understand. We, I'm not saying there's not poor people here. There's poor people in Kamloops too. And there's the hungry people. But it is really the problems we realize here and compared to where you traveled, India and all those South Asia, Asia. People, you must have experienced, people live differently. People, like we went to Bali, and Michelle. You just get you just get caught up with it. You just when you're here, you just get caught up with it. Everything mm. you know. When we were there, we we're just like they're just spending their time collecting flowers, spending time to give back to God, whatever God they believe in. I don't even have to know. They're just spending that ten minutes giving back, getting together with family, and like it's there's I just don't know where where we're going. Like I have, I have, I'm, I'm, I think it's a troubled place to where we're going as generation, you know? I, I had an idea the other day, what was it called? Social rebel, uh, social rebe- rebellions. Like, we should rebel against social media. We should do it. We should just do it. We should just, rebe- we, we shouldn't. We are learning things they want us to learn. We are doing things they sh- they expect us to do. 
why don't we just rebel against it? Like, we should maybe just do that. We shouldn't share so much about ourselves to other people other than in person. We shouldn't lose these relationships. We shouldn't lose this... Like, you and me are talking now. We, we could understand each other differently than if you're just messaging or just... You're, you, you could write an Instagram post about this. I won't understand the same way. Yeah. But it's troublesome because you should also influence people. Like, how do we find balance? We're, we don't know where we're going with it. It's so new to us. Like, it's last 20 years, last 15 years, this has been happening. That This is an experiment. This could go fucking sideways. What's happening to us could go sideways. Or it could go great. I don't know. If you did right, if you took right steps towards social media and all, all this technology and all this stuff to us, we could go to the right place with it. But we should still be in touch with what's, what's real and what's, what our values are and all that stuff. I'm not talking about religion here, but like I'm talking about humanity, like being human. Mm-hmm. There's certain things we do as humans. We should not give up on those yet. You you listen to a lot of podcasts. Like you listen about like what's going to happen with technology. Where is it going to take us? Are we going to lose contact with each other? Are we going to be a different our breed at the end of this? What's going to come out of this? We are. Are we going to look different hundred years from now because we're always looking down? I feel like we kind of look different already. We kind of started looking different already. We don't walk the same. We don't. We don't like we don't walk the same. We look down. We look down a lot. Posture's horrible. Posture's horrible. Like even sports volleyball guys, there's some bad posture guys out there. Yeah. And girls, like I'm not just saying guys, but like I think we should be a little aware and understand what's pushing on us. Like I feel a little confused about I'm questioning a lot of things. I haven't worked in eight months. I'm on a parental leave and it's awesome. I took a step back, step away from everything. I've been traveling and I've been spending a lot of time with my family, understanding what's 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 really life is about for me, what's good for me. And you go through, it's not an easy road. You go through some dark times, you just like realize, oh, shit, I haven't dealt with this in a long time. Mm. I, I've been just working all the time. Now I have more time, you start thinking more, you have more time to think. So, I want to tie this to... Um, volleyball for some reason i just have this gut gut feeling of like because we both share this passion of volleyball yeah like i find that when i when i when i coach when i spend time with this with younger people players now i find that they're more lost and they're changing they're they're not they have more anxiety we didn't talk about anxiety back then I find not when I say back then I'm not 67 years old, but even 10 years ago it feels like 100 years ago now because it's changed so fast. Yeah, you know it changed so fast. Like what you guys said, I didn't have. Like we didn't have any of this. I find, and we we had less anxiety. I could get. Like, I feel. I feel like I could see that there's less anxiety. There was that less anxiety. We just did things, and thank God, thank fucking God, there was no social media back then. Who knows what will happen if there was social media back then but so like all these bright young people are going through this stage that's pushed on you by technology you don't, we don't know how to handle ourselves we have two different personalities you can't tell me you don't social media one you look different than yourself 
you show it to maybe your mom and dad, maybe one or two friends. And it used to be everyone. You used to just be you. Now you're not just you. There's other other things about you. They just you just like to look different in pictures. You take the right shot. You take the perfect picture. You share it with the best code, and like you create a picture of yourself that is not really real. Like how are we gonna deal with that? Who's gonna who's gonna help us? Like all these kids, they're 17 year old. They're who's gonna help them? They're gonna have a hard time finding themselves, in my opinion, because they're gonna look at their profile and be like look at me and then they're gonna be sitting in the bed like fuck i feel like shit i feel depressed but look at me on the profile it looks awesome like how is these two personalities gonna connect to each other how are they gonna meet in the middle i'm not saying i'm against it i'm just saying there should be some guidelines there should be some guidelines to go through this change it's happening way too fast way too fast for anyone to catch on you know i'm not sure if you agree with me on that because you're totally you just told me you shut down Instagram a couple of days ago, didn't you? Yeah. Um, I used it a lot while I was overseas, actually. While I was, in, while I was in Asia, I was on it all the time. I think it was really, really grounding just because I was able to see what my, what my friends were doing. But while I'm in Canada, while I'm in North America, actually, I, 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 feel, I just feel like a piece of shit checking it, to be honest. I, I check it over and over and over again repeatedly and refresh it, just hoping for new content, something new, Bored. something new, something new. And it's always the same. If I, if I grab some person from the hallway right now that, that, and ask them what they've seen on Instagram today, as if they'd be able to tell me what they've seen. We're just filling our, our minds with this information that really has absolute no bearings to who we are and what we do. Uh, there are very few things that I see on Instagram that I actually think about after I've seen it. Um, Randy Grunman sends me lots of philosophical quotes, which I absolutely love. I think they're so cool. That guy's awesome. Just, he's awesome. Man. He's, he's a different kind of person. That guy's mind that. just, yeah, it's like clockwork. He's so, so cool. Um, and I watch a lot of like rehab and working out videos that I, I, I like a lot. But besides that, I don't being back here, I don't really care what people are doing. I don't care what Charlie posts on his Instagram. I don't care what Sam I do posts. care. Like Charlie, like, talk about Charlie. I have to cut you in. That mm. mustache. I just had to put that in here. He looks like Captain Morgan. If you don't know Charlie, please go to social media and <laughs> comment on his mustache. I think I counted those 48 hair on his upper lip and 32 in the bottom chin area. <laughs> it's fantastic. They're different length. Anyways, I don't want to give more details. It's it's great. Just go take a look. He's just a beautiful, amazing human being. But the thing is, like when I'm here, I don't have to worry about his social media because I get him every single day. <laughs> I get the ability to hang out with my best friends every single day. So when I'm when I'm here, I don't really care. Like I don't really miss Instagram. Sometimes yeah. I'll sometimes I'll check it because anytime I do camps, I tell kids just to send me a direct message if they're ever yeah. dealing with anything and want to talk. But when I'm overseas, it's really really grounding and. It's really, really nice to be able to check up on people. But when I'm, I'm always here, overseas, though. I'm always overseas, so yeah. I have to. Right. I feel like I do a lot of my posts to connect with Turkey, you yeah. know, like just to do that. But then it's really not showing how I live. Yeah. There, there is totally a persona that you put off. Everyone puts off on their social media. There's Maybe we'll eventually get over it. Maybe yeah. eventually we'll just find the middle ground between you and social media and be honest and real. You know, maybe eventually we'll adapt to that. And I think that is something really cool about social media as well, is that you can bring people into your life. 
Lots of people talk about, lots of people make huge posts on the struggles they're dealing with mentally and like depression and all that kind of stuff. And I think that it does, it does normalize it just by talking about it, which I think is a really, I think phones are amazing. I really do. I've, I've definitely hit points where, um, I've hated phones, um, in, in psychoactive drugs. That's typically a thing that happens is that you just hate your phone the first few times you do it. But after a while you start to realize that it's like this just amazing learning technique that if we learn to utilize it perfectly, I, I've learned, I've, my Spanish has gotten a lot better being able to Google stuff. Mm -hmm. Anytime I hear a word that I don't understand, I Google it and like you can increase your vocabulary. You can increase your capacity. You can learn about anything, anything, anything and anyone with this little computer in your pocket. But I think there's a balance. I think there's a balance that we have to utilize. That there's a balance we have to find to be able to utilize technology properly I guess without my, being eaten by it. That's right. I guess my like initial thing is like rebel against it because it's taking over. Totally. You know, like yeah. that's how I feel sometimes. But at the same time, we are more aware of mental illness because of it. Because we could share more stories. You could just read someone or he- hear about someone's struggles mm-hmm. quicker than you ever did. And suicide rates like all the charts like how many people commit a suicide and all that like you, there's a lot of things that will make you feel connected to other people's lives and all that if it's used correctly that's what i think there should be some guidelines there should be some guidelines like i have a kid now i'm thinking i'm like hmm, how i lived versus how he's gonna how i saw world compared to how he's gonna see world completely different like it's so different like he will. He could know about anything. He could know about anything at any time when he's of age. Is it a good thing or a bad thing? Like I need to give guidelines. I need to be like even parenting is changing. Mm-hmm. You know, like I need to. How much screen time do I show? How much is it good? I'm on my phone taking pictures of him. He's gonna think that's my hand because it's always on my hand. Not that it is, but I'm just saying. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like. It, I didn't grow up like that. My parents didn't have anything in their hand while they're talk, talking to me. I'm, I'm doing something stupid or great. They didn't have something in their hand. They just looked at me. Now he looks at me or his mom and there's something in our hands. What is that thing? Why is that there? Are we not used to this, man? Like, it's been 15, 20 years we have this. Like, this is an experiment. Where is it going to go? I'm thinking farther. I'm thinking like 500 years. Yeah. Think about that. Like, Think about where we're gonna end up. How is this gonna work? Like it's it's a, it boggles my mind. We're not used to living this way. For thousands of thousands of years, we live without these things in our hands. Now, boom, take this world in your hands. You don't even have to fucking travel. You could learn about Thailand. You could learn about India. You could learn about Buddhism. You don't have to go there. Is that a good thing? Probably not. Probably not. I'd rather go see it. You're not going to experience it. You want to go travel. You want to go hungry. You can't find the right food. You get sick. You're thirsty. You don't know how to talk to people. There's no food around. Like, you want to experience You want to feel it. You want to be there. But if you're just sitting on a couch, you're not going to be there. Yeah. Like, like, I just don't understand. Like, I'm not saying I'm against it. I just don't understand how it's going to work out. Like, I'm curious how it's going to work out. I think it's great for Volvo players. Example, 
I was talking to her and I'm like, I, I wanna sh- I'm gonna find you a girl that wa- you should watch and you should watch her all the games and all that. Like, you should visualize it. It's in your hand. Fuck, I wish I had that. Yeah. I wish I had, I watched VHS tapes to watch certain players. I wish I had more of that. Like, I, I would have been a better player, you know? Something was taken away from me because I was born a different generation. Mm-hmm. Now you're in a generation that you could do all these things, but you don't do it. Now people don't do it. I was hungry to do it. I was, they were like VHS tapes delivered to our club monthly. Couple of them, couple different games from around the world. So we could sit down all our teammates and watch it. That was the best time of our lives. We just sat down and watched it. Now, I don't see a couple of girls getting, a couple of guys getting together and watch it. I, it's, it's right there. Best level players in the world are playing. Like, you can't, you can't be good at something if you don't know how it should be done. Like you should see how people do it. The good people do it. Like, they were, they eat well, they train well, they, they coached well. This is how it should look. But if you don't see that, you don't have a. You're not. You don't know where you're going. Like you can't. You need to see how it's done properly. That's my problem with I think global in Canada too. Like I feel like so much potential. I always tie this to volleyball because essentially we are volleyball players. It's like so much talent, it just goes without notice. I know volleyball is not each in Canada, but that's fine. The people that are in it, like they come out of high school, 17 year old, they're coached bad. They're not good, but they're so, they could be so good. Gord Perrin became captain of national team by fucking luck. Like he shouldn't have, he shouldn't have played volleyball. He could have played basketball and become amazing. Yeah. There's a lot of odds that he shouldn't have played volleyball. He's amazing at volleyball. He's so much potential. He's the national team captain. But really, things worked out weirdly for him to get there. Like, he could have played different sports and never been a volleyball star. Mm -hmm. That's what I mean. Like, there's no, like, there's no, there's nothing in North Canada, anyways, not North America. America is really scouting and all that is working. But in your 10 years old, I was watching VHS tapes to get really good. I don't see that in players now. Like, I look at you, I'm like, Oh, there's six four, six four. Like how how tall are you? Six four, six five, six Me? six, six six seven, six 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 seven. Fuck, you are really that tall? Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah, I know. I think I could. I I feel like you and my reach could be the same. Do you have long arms? I, I have long arms. I've got arms. I've got monkey arms. We'll have to check this out after. Okay. But yeah, yeah. like, you live in, like you have everything going for you. You could be the best volleyball player in Canada, in my opinion. Why not? Why aren't you? These are the questions in my head to myself. I'm like, okay, okay. Six four. My favorite player was Jiba. Yeah. He was the best player in the world when he played. All the odds are against him because he's shorter. All that shit. But he's the best. He was the best. How did it happen? Not by luck. Not just by like. He. I. 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 I listened. I talked to the people. Talked to him. He watched. He listened, he thought about volleyball at all times. He wanted to do it. I know it's university volleyball. It's not like your life, your career, but you're spending two hours a day on something. You could be fucking amazing. You 
if you spend two hours on carpentry, you'll be a great carpentry. Yeah. You will be. No question. Why are you not? Like, these are the questions I want to know. That's why I want to coach. I'm just like, I want to get people to be better. And I think social media could make you better. You could follow the right guy, girl, ask them questions on social media. They'll most likely answer you because their volleyball is not like NBA. You know, you could, yeah. they could get back to you. Yeah. You could learn things, but we're not ch- you're not chasing that. You know? Yeah. Why not? You spend 30% of your week, 20% of your playing volleyball. That's, I think I had a similar conversation with Charlie. Wow, he's a beast. That guy could pound ball, even in beach. He's massive. He jumps so high and all that. Why is he not the best player in Canada? What stops him? What went wrong? Is it going to happen in the next two years? Like Questions, man. Yeah. Questions. That's why I coach. Just, I need to. I need to find the answers for these two questions. Physicality is there. Physicality is totally there, right? Like you see it. Yep. Something is not there though. Something is not fully making you greater than everyone else, and that's that's what I'm chasing. I think. I don't know what you're gonna say about that, but that's what that's what came out of me. <laughs> not totally. I, I think that's the thing is that people, you don't really have a ceiling. Nobody really has a ceiling. It's I, just, it's a ceiling that you create. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm, I, I can only do this. Why? Why can't only do that? Well, because of this and that. Well, those are bullshit reasons. A big thing for me is cooking. Everyone thinks they're a shitty cook, always. Anytime I talk to Anytime I cook dinner for someone or something, they're like, wow, where'd you learn how to cook? Well, I started off by burning everything. Burning the shit of everything. Overcooking everything. Making bad meals. But then every, for me, every time that I cook something, there's always this voice in the back of my head. While I'm eating it, it's like, this is good, but they, this could have been better. This could have been better. I could have added this a little bit earlier. Could have added this a little bit later. A little bit less oil. A little bit more oil. It's always just this voice of what could have been better and I think that analyzing yeah just analyzing every single moment I think that my Achilles helped a lot with that I think yeah and I think that I'll continue doing that through volleyball just every single day because I think that a big thing that I realize is that people can you, you can kind of see the future in this really really broad kind of kind of blurry sense but mm-hmm. You, you telling me things and me hearing things from Pat and things from my, my parents and things from just random people. One big thing is stretching. Everyone, everyone in the world that's older than 25 tells you to stretch. Hey, man, you should stretch. Your body's going to thank you for it. Hey, you should work out. Hey, you should do this. Hey, you should do that. And it's all these things that people tell you that you're one day you're going to be the person saying that to someone. Mm-hmm. And I... I think it's better just jump on those opportunities. Like a lot of tons of coaches that I've talked to, just every every coach that every practice that I go to, there's a coach saying, Hey, we gotta talk more. We gotta talk more. We gotta communicate. And that's the same thing with everything in life. Hey, you gotta push your comfort zone. You have to learn confrontation and how to confront someone and actually have a healthy dialogue with someone built off confrontation. But nobody trains that kind of stuff because you never really expect to need it until you're 
let's say in in some kind of relationship where you need to confront someone you need to confront your roommate or your significant other and if you do it it'll be way better but it's healthy yeah you're never taught you're never you never practice it and you just kind of push it away because you just don't think you'll need it it's huge dude it's huge like Look, there's six, seven dudes in the girls or guys in the court. It's not a huge court. You should be able to cover a lot of ground. But someone needs to manage these people. There's an emotional, it's a momentum game. I find that, Pat might disagree with this with other people, but I find that my time when I played at TRU, you took me away from the team. It was, it, things, things weren't as smooth, I thought. But I wasn't the best hitter. Not at all. Maybe not the best blocker. Was a great passer. Great ball control. There's an emotional state in volleyball. You could manage the game. You could understand it. If you really understand the game, keep your team together, move towards the right goal, every point, every single point, talk about the seams relentlessly. Every single point. Repetition. It's a mind like it's a very exhausting game mindfully if you do it right i'm telling you to cut 200 lemons next half an hour cut them perfect slices 200 of them that's like volleyball like doesn't matter if you make a mistake or not pass the next ball what doesn't matter what you did last time i'm just telling you you need to pass the next ball to make this true there is a mental part of game I think it needs to be tapped more. I doubled with it myself as a player. I experienced it. You could have a horrible game, but you could still stay on the court. You could still do it. You could. We we played playoffs against Alberta. This women's team. Women's volleyball is new to me. The reason I'm coaching, I think the women's side, a little by luck, but I think I got kind of sick of men's volleyball. I played it. I'm like, I'm done with it now. Like mm-hmm. I need I need some time off from it. Actually, I might eventually get back into it. But in women's volleyball now, you take the power away a little bit, you see volleyball better. You see, like Pat Cole told me, okay, you need to hit line, all that. But I'm like, when I see the ball in there, I'm going to fucking pound it. You know, that's just, that's the strong coming out of me. I just want to pound it. Yeah. But I beat it. I At some point in 2008, I beat that thought. I beat it. I'm just like, be smart. Be smarter than you think you should be. Fucking all the doors opened for me. It's insane. You just realize that what you see, what you think is good, is not actually that good. Like, you could do things differently, and it's really successful. Like, there's little things you could work on. And as I was talking about this playoff, there was this girl in Alberta. She didn't play the first game. She plays the next game. We won the first game. Mm-hmm. Next game, she's P2. She plays the next game. They win next Last two, ga- last two games. Erin Corbett, yeah. She's awesome. I did a camp with her, and she's just... She's a gamer. She's a gamer. Yeah. It's different. You can't tell me she's the best hitter in the CIS. You put her on the court, game is different. You take her away, game is different. I kind of feel like I was in the same boat. Mm-hmm. And that changes things. That is, like, not something you could watch from YouTube. Not something you could, like, you... You need to really experiment it and do it to yourself. You, you could teach that to yourself and be that. And that goes so far. Sometimes, not sometimes, all the time, you get to a point, you're like, that person makes it 
flip. Yin yang. Yeah. She flips the scale to who's gonna win, who's gonna not gonna win. Yeah. Because you need that person on the court. What do you do in a podcast when you have to pee really bad? Um hey, let me check. We're about two hours. Do you want to cut everyone. this and we'll pick it up again? Yep. Awesome. Come here, buddy. What are you doing? Hug it? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh boy. Oh, my <laughs> We talked about anything we talked about before. That was so much fun. Was it? Oh, yeah. Good fun. I always have a ton of fun talking to you. We just kind of talked about everything. I feel like there was like kind of no structure, but we did it. Yeah. No, I, I think that's the best way to do it, too, is just...